Good afternoon. I'm Carmina Constantino. Thanks for joining us. Europe records about 100,000 fresh COVID-19 cases daily, overtaking the new infection rate in the U.S. And as this report tells us, European nations are now reinstating measures to curb the spread of the virus and prevent a nightmare scenario in the coming winter. From France to Spain to England, all across the continent, Europe is facing a nightmare scenario battling a resurgence of COVID-19 before the onset of winter. Italy on Wednesday saw a record jump in new infections, over 7,000, though COVID-related deaths are nowhere near the numbers seen in the spring. Still, the situation is so dire, an immunologist in Poland described feeling as being, quote, on the brink of disaster. New COVID-19 infections are hitting about 100,000 a day across Europe. That far eclipses the daily new infection rate in the U.S. of about 51,000. Precautionary measures are being reinstated across Europe as hospital beds fill up quickly. In the Czech Republic, hospitalizations this time are six times the peak seen during the first wave. With Europe's worst rate per capita, it has shifted schools to distance learning and plans to call up thousands of medical students. Hospitals are cutting non-urgent medical procedures to free up beds. 20 miles outside of Prague, this hospital director is worried his staff will get worn down. I am worried about the personnel, mainly nurses. It is not just about numbers, but about the physical and psychological stress, because working with using the protective aids is very demanding. Breathing becomes difficult. It's hot. Manual skillfulness is limited when using two pairs of gloves. Other measures in Europe to contain the virus include shutting down bars and pubs. In cities like Barcelona, restaurants are being ordered to stop sit-down dining for 15 days starting Thursday. This restaurant manager is upset. I think we are much better here than on buses and trains and everywhere. Now, I don't think the restaurant industry is the one to blame, honestly, because we respect the two-meter distance. I believe that this will be the end for us. The restaurant industry was already bad, but with this, it will be total chaos. Europe is now responsible for about a third of all global new cases, forcing leaders to take new actions. French President Emmanuel Macron announced in a TV interview on Wednesday nightly curfews for four weeks beginning Saturday in Paris and other major cities. We cannot get through this if everyone doesn't play their part, doesn't do their bit. So I am saying very clearly the message I came to convey this evening. I need every one of you. We need each one of us. But the resurgent virus isn't limited to Europe. 22 American states set records for increases in new cases so far this month. And in Australia, one of the most successful countries to combat the virus, clusters have emerged in that country's two most populous states. Spain has become the coronavirus hotspot in Western Europe and in Madrid. The head of an intensive care unit says his staff are already exhausted. Take a look. With close to 900,000 registered infections and more than 33,000 deaths, Spain has become the coronavirus hotspot in Western Europe. At Madrid's Infanta Sevilla Hospital, 
Emotional fatigue has already set in among intensive care staff, on a level even worse than in the first wave in the spring. And that's despite the fact they're better prepared now. Miguel Angel González is the head of the intensive care unit here. When it is over and it has been overcome, you believe that whatever comes next will be bearable. Then, all of a sudden, you find yourself with an outbreak that's far from small. That produces a feeling of emotional exhaustion that we just didn't have during the first wave. Treatment for severe cases has improved here over the last seven months, but they're not expecting the pressure to ease anytime soon. 38% of intensive care unit beds are already occupied in Madrid. That compares to a national average of around 19%. Since Spain exited a tough lockdown in June, the infection rate has soared, with more than 10,000 cases diagnosed daily since August. Philippine cabinet officials recommend shorter curfew hours as the country logs its lowest daily tally of new COVID-19 cases in nearly a month. Let's get the details now from Rafael Bosano. Community quarantine in the Philippines is on its seventh month, considered the longest and strictest lockdown in the world. It's no surprise why some are now feeling what is called the pandemic fatigue. But the health department asserts there's no going back to the old ways of living. We are all experiencing this uh, fatigue, no? Uh, this uh, pandemic fatigue, quarantine fatigue. Hindi na po tayo babalik sa dati, no? Kaya nga po may tinatawag tayo na new normal. At ito pong new normal na ito, ito po yung nagbibigay sa atin ng pasiguruhan, ano? Na kahit na meron pong virus dito po sa ating environment, we will still be protected because if we are going to comply with these minimum health standards. If there's any good news, it's that the Okta Research Group is continuing to observe improvements in COVID-19 data. Based on their October 12 report, no city in the capital region has seen an increase in cases in the last two weeks. As a matter of fact, recorded cases in the region have not exceeded 1,000. On Wednesday, the Philippines logged just over 1,900 COVID-19 cases, the country's lowest daily tally since September 22. But it must be noted that 11 laboratories have failed to submit data to the repository system. Total recoveries, meanwhile, are now nearly 294,000, while the death toll climbed to over 6,400. Professor Guido David of the Okta Research Group says COVID-19 cases in the country may reach 390,000 by the end of the month. Meanwhile, President Duterte's cabinet recommends shortening the curfew to four hours. Malacanang says the cabinet is suggesting a 12 a.m. to 4 a.m. curfew instead of the 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. policy that most areas implement. But the palace asserts it's up to local government units if they will issue an ordinance. Rafael Bosano, ABS-CBN News. President Rodrigo Duterte assures Filipinos the Philippines will be able to buy a coronavirus vaccine once it becomes commercially available. The president wants everyone to get the vaccine, but stresses priority will be given to the poor, the police, and the military personnel. Back in July, the president said the military would be the one to implement the country's coronavirus immunization program. Nakahanap na ako ng pera. I have the money already for the vaccine. But kahanap ako ng maraming pera 
because you know there are now 130 million Filipinos. And to me, ideally, all should have the vaccine, without exception. Mang mauna ang mga mahirap na walang pera, hindi makabayad. A global race for a coronavirus vaccine is underway with at least nine pharmaceutical firms in the U.S. and in Europe in the late-stage trials. The Philippines is currently in talks with Russian and Chinese firms developing their own vaccines. Chaos marred the reunion of jailed activist Reina Nasino and her three-month-old baby who passed away last week. Mike Navalio tells us more. The long-awaited reunion of a detained mother and her deceased baby finally happened. At past lunchtime Wednesday, authorities brought activist Reina May Nasino to a funeral home in Pandacan, Manila, to see her daughter for the first time since the baby's death. Dressed in full protective suit and in handcuffs, the 23-year-old mother in tears as she saw her three-month-old baby in a casket. River died on Friday due to pneumonia, almost two months since she was separated from her mother. The family complained why the grieving mother had to stay handcuffed even while eating. Authorities removed her handcuffs, but not for too long. An altercation erupted when jail authorities tried to block a media interview. And when they tried to bring Nasino back to jail, way ahead of a three-hour period allotted for her visit. Instead of three continuous days of furlough, a Manila court amended its earlier ruling, shortening the period to six hours, three for Wednesday and the remaining three hours for the baby's burial on Friday. This after the Manila City Jail opposed the original furlough period due to the supposed lack of personnel and facilities for Nasino's quarantine. Nasino supporters, however, are questioning the need for a huge number of police and jail escorts. On social media, netizens also pointed out how courts have granted furlough to prominent officials who have faced more serious cases in the past. <laughs> Anim na oras para sa isang nagluluksang ina na sa pilitang inilayo yung sanggol sa kanya. She should not have been in prison in the first place. Hindi sana mangyayari ito kung wala yung mga gawagawang kasalanan. Until now, Nasino continues to insist on her innocence. She was arrested in November 2019 in Tondo, Manila, allegedly part of a massive crackdown against the left. She was charged with illegal possession of firearms and explosives. Several groups have expressed support for Nasino. The young mother vows to continue the fight until she regain her freedom. Mike Navalio, ABS-CBN News. For the integrated part of the Philippines, the tragic death of baby River Nasino underscores the need to improve the Philippine justice system. In a statement, the IBP reminded authorities, babies have rights too.
The group added humanity should rise above personal comforts or the privilege of power. It also raised questions that authorities need to address, including why it took so long for the courts to protect and fulfill human rights. It also called out the seemingly double standards or special treatment given to other detainees. Philippine Environment Undersecretary Benny Antiporda apologizes to the UP community for lashing out at state university experts critical of the Manila Bay White Sand Project. Antiporda, however, stands by his sentiment. The state scientists should have directly gone to the, the Environment Department rather than publicly releasing their findings on the project. We're partners. We could have been, you know, uh, flagged about the issue first. After that, uh, kung sakali pong uh, hindi ho kami sumunod, okay lang ho, ilabas ho nila sa media dahil antigas ng ulo namin, mali kami. Going straight to the media, trying to discredit the uh, DENR. But uh, basically, when you read the articles, it is UPMSI. That's why, yun yung sinasabi ko na magpartner tayo eh, nagbabayad kami sa inyo, kliyente nyo kami, bakit nyo ginagawa to? Antiporda had called the experts from UP paid hacks and said they had no right to criticize the project. He even called for a state audit of funds given to the UP Marine Science Institute. The institute has meanwhile accepted Antiporda's apology. But UP MSI Director Dr. Laura David insists they will continue to voice out their opinions on government projects. The important thing is for communication to continue. And we've had decades of uh, work with the NR, and we hope to continue the same mm -hmm. for years to come. Scientists po tumatayo talaga sa science niya. So kung ano po yung aming napapag-aralan, kung ano yung aming napapag-alaman, ito po ay sinishare talaga namin sa public. Kasama po ito sa trabaho at mandato ng pagiging scientifico at pagiging kasama sa ulo ng and that'll do it for today. Thanks for joining us. I'm Carmina Constantino. If you want to revisit today's episode, Dateline Philippines podcast is on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Play back the interviews too on ANC's YouTube channel. Keep safe, everyone, as you keep it here on ANC.